Please turn in your New Testaments to John 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was operating under a perception that was not rooted in reality. And here was my perception. I thought I was more special than I was. Now, please understand me. We are made in the image of God. And therefore, in that sense, we are special. We are unique and uniquely and wonderfully gifted in our personalities, in our gifts, in our talents, in our abilities to do things in this world and and bless people in this world. So I'm I'm not trying to make us feel like there's no uniqueness about each one of us. But I had come to think, and you would not have known this, and I frankly didn't know it until what happened to me that I'm about to tell you happened to me. It's more of a deep down thought. I had come to think that I was special above other people. I was graduating from seminary. It's been 25 years ago. And, uh, and I had different opportunities available to me to for ministry when other people were just praying and hoping for one. And I was single at the time. I was 25 years old and I had been invited to plant a church in Orlando, Florida, in a place called Lake Mary, Florida, which involved hundreds of thousands of dollars entrusted to my leadership. It's pretty heady stuff for a 25-year-old. And if that didn't work out, I was invited to... uh, to look at a church plant in Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, of course, the reason I had these opportunities and other people didn't was because I was special. And, you know, with special people, it, it, it always works out when you're special. I mean, that's just the way it works when you're special. Until that life-altering day... <laughs> When I received a phone call at around 10-ish a.m. from my friend Chuck Green, the pastor of Orangewood Presbyterian Church in, in uh, Orlando, and he told me in one sentence without, it was a run-on sentence, but it was one of those things where he basically said, we no longer want you to come and plant this church. And the reason is, what were we thinking? You're single. No problem. Looks like I'm going to move to Birmingham. Until a phone call came through at 2 p.m. from Frank Barker that very same day to inform Joey that it's not going to work out here either. What were we thinking? You're single. Well, no problem. Maybe I'm not as special as I thought I was. But I'm strong. And you know, when you're strong, you can just get through things. I'm that guy that can get through things. I'm that guy that can get you through things. Well, that was until a few weeks later when, out of nowhere, I got really ill. And this illness was very dramatic. And this illness went on for weeks upon weeks. So maybe I'm not that special. Maybe I'm not that strong. And uh, and I... I was unemployed for one year. Just had to start all over. Let me tell you something. Have you ever been unemployed? 
That's hard. I cycled through every emotion in one year. It was the year from hell. Actually, it was the year from heaven. Because God wanted me to know I wasn't special. And God wanted me to know that I wasn't so strong. And somewhere toward the end of that year, I did something that I swore that I would never do. I accepted a call, my very first job or calling out of seminary to be the singles minister at First Presbyterian Church of Augusta, Georgia. And the day I interviewed for that job, I met Gina Dawn Smith in somebody's kitchen, and it changed my life forever. It was during that year that one particular passage of Scripture became very meaningful to me. I didn't understand this passage of Scripture until I went through what I just told you about. And it's the, the reason I tell you the story is it's the, the passage of Scripture that, that we're going to read from today. If you'll turn to John 15, 1, 5, where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was broken. And for the first time, I believed that spiritually, apart from him, I could do nothing. And the Greek word for nothing there means nothing in apostrophe. People who think they are special... And people who think they are strong have a really hard time truly understanding the vine and the branches. In fact, I'm going to say, go as far as to say you don't understand it if you feel like you're special and strong. And I will define this. Be patient with me. You'll understand what I mean by this in a moment. But I'll tell you something. In our brokenness, we do find intimacy with Christ and the depth and wonder of His love and acceptance. And in our weakness, we do find His strength. And that, people, is the Christian life. It is to be connected with Jesus. And in our weakness, live in His strength. And in our brokenness, live in His intimacy with Him. And guys, that's what's kind of so cool about being a a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus Christ, a, a believer. As you know, God, through Christ, lives inside of us. I'm talking about the God who created the world. Lives inside of us, loves us, cares for us, leads us. And check this out. Not only does God live inside of us, but outside of us, He's in control of everything. That's a pretty good setup, isn't it? God Himself, through Christ, through the cross, lives inside of us. And outside of us, He's in control of everything. That puts me more at ease. That gives me a lot of perspective about what my life might be if I were to walk with God who lives inside of me and, 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 and follow him in this world that he is in absolute control over. But here's the thing. We must need him. And that is the point 
where people and even people who know Jesus break down. We are very self-sufficient. And we just have periods of time in our life where we say we need Him and we don't need Him. And things that go well, we don't need Him. We don't, something happens, I need you, you know. Um, but, but the fact is, we, we've got to need Him. And, and I want you to know, Christ wasn't breaking me just to teach me a thing or two. Christ wasn't breaking me to hurt me. Let me tell you why Christ was breaking me at that time and he has been breaking me ever since. It's because he wanted to pursue a deeper relationship with me. And I was in the way of that deeper relationship. And he wanted to give me more understanding of his love more understanding of His grace. He wanted to give me more of His power. He wanted to give me more desire and faith toward Him as well and the good effects of all of that in our lives. And through it all, I realized how special it was to have Him. I'm not special. He is. Now, this passage breaks down into two Parts and, and, and we, we tend to talk about one and leave the other out. And basically the two parts are the vine and the vine dresser. And so I want us to, to unfold this passage just through the lens of the two things that Jesus talks about here. The vine and the vine dresser. The first is the vine. Jesus says in verse 1, if you'll see, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine as opposed to the false vine. It really means the real vine. Now, if you look in John 14, 31, just before this, what you're going to find out is is in John 14, that's the the whole experience where Jesus called his disciples into an upper room and, and there was a lot of things going on in the upper room. He washed their feet and then he instituted what's called the Lord's Supper and they shared the Lord's Supper for the first time. But we know that they went out from that place because in John 14, 31, basically Jesus, not basically, Jesus says these words, come now, let us leave. And so we always try to want to find out what the context of a passage is. When did Jesus say, I'm the vine and you're the branches? Well, it was somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus was going out. In Matthew 26, 30, it says, and they sung a hymn after the communion and they went out to the Mount of Olives where Jesus was literally going to be arrested so that he could be crucified and pay the price for our sins against the Holy God so we could have a relationship with Him. But so it's sometimes some people say, well, you know, he's passing the, he's going by the temple and he pointed at the gates of the temple. Do you know what was on one of the gates of the temple back then? It was this huge bronze emblem of a vine. And the reason why is one of the symbols of Israel was Israel was a vine. And so Jesus would be walking by the temple in that case and say, That vine failed. I'm the true vine. I'm the one you need. Or maybe he was walking along and and there was just some really impressive vines. He he may may have stopped and said, what is that right there? That's a vine. You know about vines, right? Yeah, we know about vines. Well, that's what I am. I'm the vine. You're the branches. But, But the point is the same regardless. I am all you need. And to live with me and in me is the true meaning of life. And it's a great comfort to know that we don't have to go it alone. God doesn't just save us and say, well, good luck. 
You know, throw up a few prayers and maybe I'll send you down something to help you out. If you don't pray, I won't send anything down. And No, we are united to Christ. It's a beautiful thing in this fallen world. Life's hard to know that we are branches connected with the vine. Look with me at the text again. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, there's intimacy there, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And the idea simply is, I mean, we understand this. The vine sustains the branches. You know, think about a vine in your yard and then all the little branches that come off that hold on to stuff, you know. The branches have to have the the vine to be able to continue to exist. The vine is all that we need, but would never have except for Jesus. That's what it is. It it is all that we need and, and what we receive every single day if we live or dwell or abide in the vine. And I will explain how you do that in a moment. Alfred Barnes says it is a union of friendship. You know, I love these relational words. Of friendship, love, and dependence. It is a union of weakness, that's us, with strength. Of imperfection with perfection. Of a dying nature with a living Savior. It's a union of a lost sinner with an unchanging friend and redeemer. Now, this metaphor for the Christian life means that we're not little plants with our own roots. We don't have roots. We are branches connected to the vine. And when we are not focusing on the vine, there is a principle of death in our life and choices we make that have consequences in the real world as opposed to this principle of life and Truth and wisdom and love that comes from living in Jesus. Not long ago, I was in my yard. Now, those of you that know me know I would not ever be accused of being a, a gardener. Um, I know some of y'all are, are gardeners. I was in my yard, and I've got this tree. I think it's called a Sweet Bay Magnolia tree. I think that's what it's called. It's got a lot of branches. And there was a vine growing up my tree. And I think it's poisonous because I was itching one time when I touched it, but I'm not going to touch it again to confirm whether it's poisonous or not. But I mean, that thing just grew up. You can tell I don't go back to my backyard that much and really look at it carefully, but that thing had just grown up in this tree and I needed to get rid of it. And I knew exactly what to do. And I'm not even a gardener. I wasn't going to just grab a hold of that vine and start trying to yank it out of that tree. Nope. I just went and got my little uh, hedge clippers and I went right down to the bottom and went, right down to the vine. And I said to that vine, I'll see you in two weeks. And two weeks later, it was dry and dead. No problem. It was letting go of that tree real easy, dead. That's exactly the picture here. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you are cut off from me, there's a principle of death. But if you'll just continue to walk with me, live in me, there's this principle of life. So how do you live in the vine or remain or abide in the vine? And I think I have to start by backing up to say, say that you have to realize that our connection with Christ comes through what he did on the cross. And if you're trying to kind of figure out this Jesus thing, we are glad you're here 
working through that. Basically, we've got a holy God that we as sinners cannot make ourselves uh, compatible with and, and, and to be in his presence. There's nothing we can do. And so God sent his son and God took our sin and laid them on his son. And, and, and Christ was punished in our place by this holy God so that it would but when we put our faith in what his works are rather than our works to try to make ourselves okay, when we just have faith in what he has done, then we don't have the sin problem between us and God. And we, we are then the branches and we're connected to the vine. But if you know the Lord, you've got to affirm in your heart that you need him. That you need him. I need him more than anything else. Now, I, I, I can't tell you that with utter integrity every single day of my life. But I know that it's true. And, and, and what we need to do is we need to realize our weakness and dependency. We need to seek Him and we need to cling to the vine. The, the text literally says to remain in the vine or abide in the vine. You know what the word remain or abide means it just means to dwell it means to live now i would just have i've got two little asides this morning the, the first thing has to do with the word abiding there are some folks that make the word abiding into a mystical thing it's kind of a, a mystical thing where you abide in christ and it's a technique the, the problem with that, that's not what Jesus is trying to communicate here. The problem with that is that it makes abiding an elusive thing that only certain people can get. And if you're really spiritually sensitive, you wonder whether you're doing it right and whether you're okay. And it also has this notion that you just kind of have a technique and you kind of up and over in your life. Do you know, life's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging every single day in a fallen world. And there is victory when we walk with Christ. And, and there is truth and there is change in our lives. But, but this is all a process powerfully that is happening within us. No, this is about a daily walk with God. I think we tend to make this a lot harder than it is. And how do you walk with God? Well, you walk with God by faith. How do you walk with God by faith? By continuing to believe that Christ died for you and resting in the gospel of grace and knowing that you're His child and reading the scriptures. Not because it's a checklist, but because it's food, you know. And, and interacting with your father who loves you. Not because you have to, because you get to. And making sure there's adequate Christian fellowship to reinforce who God is, what the grace of God is in our lives, and, and what the meaning of life is in the church and in the sacraments. I mean, this is not complicated, but it is very intimate. It is as the famous title of Henry Scougall's book. In fact, George Whitfield, the great evangelist of the 18th century, read this book and was converted. The book is called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. That's what Christianity is. It's just God living his life in us and through us. You know, again, remember I told you we don't get saved, but God doesn't, God doesn't just say, good luck. You know, I'll help you every once in a while if you need some, but it's all on you. No, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Maybe we should put it this way. Maybe write down this, this sentence. God lives in us. We live by faith. God lives in us. We live by faith. Galatians 2.20. 
I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's where a lot of people stop, right there. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's true. It is Christ living in me. But the, ver- the, the verse goes on to say this. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me. God lives in me. I live by faith. God lives in me. I want to walk with God every day by faith. I want to use the ordinary means of grace that he has given me of the scriptures and prayer and Christian fellowship and the church, and I will grow in him. Who would not want to live in the vine if we just understood that? I think of the U2 song. You know, sometimes you can't make it on your own. Jesus would say, you can't ever make it on your own, spiritually. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Now, I do have one little side note before we get back to, uh, to John 15 and the vine dresser. And that has to do with what I call the doctrine of specialness that we have in our culture. And, and the doctrine of specialness is something we give our children that is harmful. And here's what it looks like. You are special above other people. You are just special. And we tell our children over and over, you're special, you're special, you're special. It's, it's what I've called before Disney theology. You know, if you, can, you are special. If you can dream it, you can do it. You can do anything. Like I am so sure everybody can be an astronaut. You know, I mean, my daughter outclassed me in math when she was in the eighth grade. I'm so sure. If you wanted to be an astronaut, Joseph, you could do it. I don't think so. No, you are special. Now, what's wrong with that? Said, well, you know, we wouldn't want to tell our kids they're not special. Let me tell you something. They're not. They're unique. They're made in the image of God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if they are redeemed and loved by Christ, they have special gifted... Oh, I used the word. Gifts and talents that, that make them different. But they are not inherently, just naturally, special. We aren't redeemed because we're special. You know? Look, has anybody ever thought that if everybody's special, nobody's special? You understand what I'm saying? And you're thinking, why are you going off on this, Pastor Wheat? Well, it's because we just build in all these expectations of, of what ought to happen in people's lives. Because with special people, just like me coming out of seminary, with special people, it's all supposed to just work out, isn't it? Isn't that the story, storied ending? And then in a storytell life, if you're special, yeah. And that's not the way real life works. Let me tell you what's hard to live with if you're married. It's, it's hard to live with somebody who considers themselves special. Especially if they consider you not. <laughs> Listen, we teach our kids that they are special. We teach them total self-reliance and we teach them religion as a rule, a set of rules. What we ought to be teaching them is their uniqueness, utter dependency on Christ and living by grace in the vine. 
I am the vine. We should tell our kids, not you can do anything you want to do. You're special. We should tell our kids, whatever God calls you to do, you will be able to do it. And it will bring great glory to God and it will be wonderful. So let's walk with God. And let's find those callings associated with you. You're not special. None of you. Or me. You're unique. And that's wonderful. Okay, let's go back to John 15. Jesus says the result of living in the vine isn't just an abundant life. It's not just a, 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 you know, a, more, a better life. Jesus says... Actually, there are results that impact other people by living in the vine, by simply walking with God. Otherwise, it would be kind of consumeristic, you know. It would be all about me just having a better life. But look what Jesus says. I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. If a man lives in me, abides in me, remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Much fruit you'll actually affect other people's lives for good. You'll actually convey love into lives that are starved for love. You'll actually be a bearer of the kingdom of God through your life. You will bear much fruit. Michael Kelly, a PCA pastor, wrote this in an issue of In Covenant magazine. There will be no real movement of God's spirit until we learn to remain in Christ. It is apparent that the church has seldom had confidence in the assurance of this power. In other words, we're always trying to find shortcuts. We're always trying to find other things than simply walking with God. Perhaps our error is that we have made it our mission to bear fruit when we should have made our first mission to simply live in the vine. And if we live in the vine, everything else will follow this. The question with the vine is this, are you dependent? Are you dependent on Christ? Now, the last thing is the vine dresser. Jesus said in, in verse 1, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Here's the one we leave off. We, we talk about Jesus being the vine and all that means to us and sometimes all that means through us. And we just, we just don't even go back to the vine dresser or the gardener as, as the NIV calls it. And, and what I want to tell you is the Christian life is free grace with a gardener and a serious Gardener, And I'd like to look for a moment at what this vine dresser does to the vine, does for and to us and what that means in our life. First of all, he cuts off all the worthless branches. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Verse 6 says he gathers them up and throws them in the fire. So that's one of the things that the father does. He cuts off the, the worthless branches. But secondly, he prunes the fruitful branches. Now, whether it's cutting or pruning, it all hurts, right? Pruning is not something I'm interested in having happen to me. What about you? But the vine dresser prunes us. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And, and pruning hurts. But I'm going to tell you, this is another great comfort. Remember how comforting it is just to know we don't have roots of our own, that our roots are in Christ. We have union with Christ. We live in grace, in Christ, and live in Him daily. And it makes a difference. But here's another thing. It's just so comforting that God the Father, who is our vine dresser or our 
gardener. He loves you so much. And he's so interested in you flourishing and having that life and and bearing fruit. He will hack and spray bug spray and anything that it takes for you to grow. See, it's not just the vine. We're in the vine and we have the Father who is also right there shaping us, working through things. You know, that thing that you feel that is painful in your life, one of the big misconceptions in the Christian life is when things happen to us, we think immediately that God's punishing us. No. Maybe He's just pruning. You see what I'm saying? Maybe, unless you feel that you're special and you should never go through anything. That's another whole issue. That's a part of the doctrine of special. Special people shouldn't suffer because they're special. All the schleps suffer, not me. Well, no, when we go through things, maybe God's not punishing us. Maybe He's pruning us. Maybe He's trying to shape us into something even more beautiful and more, more fruitful. Now, some of you love to garden. I mean, y'all are serious. Y'all have got your garden channel. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> You got your gardening blogs dialed in. You know everything about your yard. I had a deacon live, one of my deacons lived right next door to me in Tuscaloosa. And our yards didn't have any, any natural barrier between them. And he was a gardener and I wasn't. You could, his was green and mine was brown. We called it heaven and hell. <laughs> he knew about gardening. I obviously did not. And some of you do. And, and you know, you're all about your flower beds and maybe you plant some vegetables. I don't know, but your yard and you, maybe even some of you plant seeds and then there's these little plants and you want to actually transfer these little plants into your, and you have these visions for them to be these beautiful roses or, or whatever it is. Are you going to really plant those little plants and just leave them alone and don't worry about them? No, no, you're going to cut those things back. You know, and you're going to prune those things and you're going to shape those things, right? And I'm going to tell you something. If you're a gardener, you're going to love it. It's because you care. It's because you can see a better outcome through this, just like the Father. There is a holy joy in His being the vine dresser and His shaping and, and His pruning. It's, it's, it's not to punish, it's It's to shape, it's for fruitfulness. But the last thing he does, and if you know about vines, you know about this, is, you know, if you're a vine dresser, and I want you to think about like the wine country in California for a minute, okay? See, we're Presbyterians, we can talk about this. The wine country in California. All those vines are going where they're supposed to go. Do you know why? They don't just naturally go on the, on the, the, where the the trellises, they don't naturally go those places. It's the vine dresser that just keeps you know, sending those vines and they grow a little bit and they send them and they weave them through here. And over the years, you get this incredible thing. And, and it's really a reflection of the, the painstaking care of the vine dresser. I want to read to you a, a passage from F.B. Meyer's commentary on, on this passage that just has meant a lot to me over time. He's talking about how the vine dresser, I want you to think about your life, that some people he'll kind of send through the trellis over here. Some people he'll kind of wrap them around a pole over here, that there's a, there's a real care and a leadership of God. Anthony Meyer says, So it was with Christ never following his own way. That's so true. 
always bound to the imperative must of the Father's will, yielded to the Father even to death on the cross. So our Savior, whom we follow, was very yielded to the Father, to the vine dresser. But he goes on to say, and it has been with his followers, not strong to stand alone, but always yielded to the Father's will. He leads them where he wants, even to a cross, even to persecution, even to suffering, because he's leading them there. He goes on to say, yield yourself into those loving hands. They may lead you far from your original purpose. Like a vine dresser twisting you along a strange trellis, trailing you up over a wall in order to drop your cluster of grapes into the hands of strangers. Be sure to let him have his way with you. This is necessary for the accomplishment of His purpose. Isn't that beautiful? He would actually shape us, prune us, lead us to be even to bless people. Darren, maybe even people as... You, who would have known that you would have gone and dropped your cluster of grapes in Romania? You know? Let me close by just saying the, the question of the vine is, are you dependent And the question of the vine dresser is, are you yielded? Do you need him? Do you want to be shaped and led by him? And verse 8 tells us what all this abiding is for. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves... To be my true disciples. If you know Christ and live in the vine, you know what? You are special. You're a part of the special people of God. And you are the object of His affection, the apple of His eye, His dearly beloved child. His precious, beautiful bride. And He is beckoning you. Don't go it alone. Live in me. I'll give you that life that is truly life. And if you have put your trust in Christ, not only do we have the vine, we have the vine dresser. It's good to be pruned. It's good to trust God. And to be led by Him wherever He wants us to be led. And all this to bring glory to Him. So let's pray together. Lord, would you just cause us to go back to a very simple place spiritually? We make it so complicated. And it's not. You just want us to be your disciples, your followers. If you've never put your trust in Christ and what He's done on the cross and you'd like to... Just pray with me, Lord, I I see it. I can't change myself. I can't take away my sin before you. So I want to turn away from everything else and put my trust simply, Christ, in what you have already accomplished for me on the cross. And thank you that even now you've come into my life. Even now you're the vine and I'm the branches. 
Would you lead me and shape me and cause me to bear fruit? Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you and, and we've all had experiences where we've been so prone to wander and you've had to prune us. Lord, we have, we have tasted the dry and bitter fruit of our own desires and in our own will as opposed to simply walking with you. Lord, I pray you would reach out even now into the hearts of my dear brothers and sisters that you would woo us back into a beautiful daily relationship with you. And we pray, Lord, that we would know the current of your working in us and through us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.